0: This is Nava Vogel, director of the Council on Aging in Belmont. We are here today at the Belmont Public Library. Today is August 3rd, and I'm delighted to have the privilege of interviewing my dear friend and mentor, Rabbi Earl Grohlman, longtime resident of Belmont and rabbi for the town for many years. Although I had read some of Earl Grohlman's 27 books on grief and bereavement decades ago in social work school, I only had the good fortune to meet him when I came to work for Belmont in 2000. Since then, Rabbi Grohlman has shared his wisdom with participants at the Center on how to cope with grief. He has been inspirational to all. Rabbi Grohlman served as Rabbi at Temple Bethel in Belmont for many years and still delivers sermons there. He's made numerous contributions to humanity over his illustrious career. They are too numerous to name here, but they include counseling trauma victims of the Oklahoma bombing and 9-11. Rabbi Grohlman still writes and contributes to the field of grief and hospice care through his work as editor emeritus of Journeys and contributions to Frontline, a journal for grief therapists. However, among his many gifts to the community and the world, I only recently learned of the rabbi's career in fighting for social justice and change. It is this career that I would like to focus on in today's interview. Rabbi Grohlman was active in the civil rights movement and walked with MLK in the Marsh to Selma. He also championed the rights of Native Americans and received special recognition from the Blackfoot Indian nation. So Rabbi, um, my first question to you, what inspired your work in the civil rights movement and the walk in Selma? As a leader in the community, you must have faced many risks to taking those steps, literally. Please speak to that.
1: First of all, let me say, Nava, it's an inspiration for me to be with you of what you have brought to the senior community, and I applaud your works, and it's a joy being with you again. You asked a question, and I'm thinking about what were the motivating factors, and two names come to, to mind. One is my father, and the second is my brother. I'm the least likely person to speak about civil rights because I come from Baltimore, Maryland. This was in the early 30s and 40s, early 40s, where there were no blacks in my community. I went to public school, junior high school, high school called the Baltimore City College where there wasn't one African-American, they called him Negroes at that time, at that period. And my brother who, who had a desire to help people, and he also became a rabbi, my brother said to me one day, you see the black people who work around here and they help people, but if you ever talk to one And so we went in a streetcar, and I can still remember going down Pratt Street in Baltimore and looking at the neighborhood, the rundown neighborhood, the people sitting on the steps. And he said, these are children of God. Remember that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I think in terms of my father, who was the most saintly person I know, Mm -hmm. he would sometimes bring home black people off the street to sleep in our house. And one time I said, Pop, where's your coat, your overcoat? He said, I gave it to the Negro man. He didn't have one. I have an extra one. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I had this, so I had a feeling of being part of a community where everyone has to share and care. And then I went to Cincinnati and I went to seminary I went four years to college, six years to seminary, and my brother, who was three years my senior, and my brother saying, I made you a member of the Urban Society. And I wasn't even sure what it was. And so I worked very diligently and I loved it. Ohio allowed blacks to come in and to eat wherever they wanted. Supposedly they could feel that they were emancipated so, I would walk in with a black person and the maitre d' would come over and say, I wish I could help you, but there's no room, the place was empty. Mm-hmm. As soon as we would leave, two white people would walk in and they would be served. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they would let us in and put us near, near the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I began seeing that. And then when I came here to, to Belmont, I saw that this was a community with, with practically no black people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm wondering, you know, they have a choice. They don't have to live in this community. And I tried to find out why, and I became a member of, of a committee to, to, to investigate. And we found that there was a black family who wanted to move into a neighborhood. And they said, we can't sell it to you because you're black. I have to be very careful when I'm saying this, but this, this black person was a professor at the most prestigious school in the country. And his wife was also active as a community leader. And I called Father Dranen. Father Dranen was a priest and also a member of the house representatives because that family happened to be Catholic. There could have been Protestant or Jewish. So I'm not singling out any family. And they came in and said you, and he said, you are a disgrace to us Catholics. And so I became very interested in what's happening to my community. Mm -hmm. When we bought land, to build the temple when i first came to this community we came to an old house on 220 lexington street and then as i came the, the building the building was it was just an old house began to expand and we were meeting all over the place meeting meeting in the hardware store for sunday school and so we we bought land just as you enter the town and the people who came over to us and said Whatever you pay to buy the land, we will pay more because we don't think it becoming that you enter Belmont with a Jewish synagogue. Mm -hmm. One person who played a major part was Flett. He was a selectman Mm -hmm. and he came over to me and he said, Rabbi Roman, you are a disgrace to the community. You have this old house, why don't you build a temple?
0: Really?
1: And wow. we, we built the temple, and it was such a joy when we dedicated mm-hmm. it to have him there mm-hmm. because he, his name was J. Watson Flett. Mm-hmm. Part of his family still live in Belmont or have lived in Belmont. So this is what happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I became interested in, in racial relationships mm-hmm. and, uh, and bringing black people to our temple. Mm-hmm. and then having meetings of of, of community leaders, of people from the black community with our temple community to see how we could fan out and help others. Mm-hmm. And so we began to, in this way, to touch other people's lives. And meanwhile, the, the civil rights movement began. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't believe what was happening down south. Mm-hmm. I lived in Baltimore which they called it an eastern city with a southern accent because of the Maryland my Maryland was a was a song for for the confederate yeah. and so what happened is we came in and I went to Selma, Alabama mm.
2: and
1: mm. I continued my my movements with the with the African American community mm. because This is what religion is all about. Mm -hmm. It's not about the words of our mouth, Nava. Mm -hmm. It's about the deeds of our heart. Mm -hmm. Hath not one God created you? Why do we deal treacherously one against the other? Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, the essence of my faith Mm -hmm. was to be able to love other people as I would want to be loved. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, thank you for that. That very moving answer to um, my question. And so what was that experience in Selma
1: like? I came there and not knowing what to expect, Mm -hmm. but walking along the streets and people taunting you and and, Mm -hmm. and spitting at you. And thinking for a moment, I'm going back to Belmont. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and live in a in, in, with complete immunity, mm-hmm. and this is what these people have to live with. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was a brotherhood and a sisterhood, there was a unity, there was a love. Mm-hmm. We, we cared about one another. Mm-hmm. And this is what religion is about. Mm. Yes. And you, you didn't
0: just um, work for civil rights um, in, in this way, you also did um, uh, uh, help the Blackfoot Nation. What, what was that experience? Hmm. What is it that you did and how did, how did that come about?
1: I had a great interest in the field of suicidology. And I wrote a book, Suicide Prevention, Intervention, Postvention. And I received a call from Browning, Montana mm-hmm. because among the Native Americans, among the indigenous Americans, mm-hmm. they who who are the real Americans, they came and uh, living living with them for two months. Mm-hmm. and I found out that most of them, if they lived a the life of just walking along because we've taken away their culture, mm-hmm. we've taken away their land, and we, we said them, we said, okay, fend on your own after we have depossessed them of whatever, whatever moral possessions and physical possessions they concerned. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, the first week I was there, I was thinking of going back mm-hmm. because I wasn't really accepted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can understand. Who's this, who's this white person coming in and, and he's, he thinks he can talk to us and understand? Because course, I, I can't understand where they've been. Mm-hmm. So often in the grief, re, I, I learned a lot from the grief re, relations. Somebody goes through a, a great loss and they, their child dies and they say, I know what you've been through, my dog died. I mean, crazy things. Mm-hmm. So I understood and I was thinking after the first week, I'm not, I'm not achieving anything. I'm sitting there like an idiot, you know, waiting for something to happen. And then they were playing ping pong. I'm not a great ping pong player, but I'm, at that time I was better than average.
2: Mm.
1: This is really strange because we ping pong diplomacy in terms of getting close to the Russians and to the Chinese. Mm. And so I began playing with somebody, and everybody said, "I want to play with you next. I want to play with you next." Mm. And all of a sudden, they called me Earl, and they called me uh, Chief Earl because I I won some of the tournaments,
2: mm.
1: and and I and I went to their homes, mm. and I saw the terrible way in which they were were living, and and the high suicide rate, mm. because. W- and the amount of alcoholism that was was, was rampant. Mm. So I was there for for a long period of time, mm. and it was one of the most joyous times because they were they could be happy inside. Mm. Oh. But there were moments there were moments where they would just walk along mm-hmm. quietly, almost in a narcotic stage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and my heart broke for them.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I knew nothing, none of this. Um, what, what would you... Um, so, you know, this project is about bridging the generations and, and sharing a wisdom uh, moving forward with, with younger people. From your experience, successes, and knowledge of human behavior, what would you recommend that young people do uh, to be successful in their efforts to better the world?
1: I would hope if there is metro in your community, mm-hmm. as there is in Belmont, mm-hmm. that some white students will go over to a black person mm-hmm. and say, hi, my name is Earl, what's your name? Mm-hmm. Would you like to come over to my house? Mm-hmm. You say we don't know each other. Mm. We've lost contact with them. And in many ways they've, for their own support they gather together because this barrier has been broken. We have to break the barrier. Mm -hmm. We have to learn that each one is a person with his or her individual qualities of strength and of weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that they would get to know one another as people Mm -hmm. and and forget the, the labels the great thing that's happened to me, living in Belmont, where the community is 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 largely non-Jewish, mm-hmm. very largely non-Jewish, mm-hmm. is that I, I can I can go to my neighbor next door, and I meet him as, as a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's deeply Roman Catholic. He's, but we share a commonality, mm-hmm. a commonality of love of people. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get to break the barriers, there's, there's like around each of us, there's a steel barrier that, cl- that we, we cling to our own. Mm-hmm. We cling to our own in so many ways. It's not only in religion. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. stick to those who hold our own political views mm-hmm. because it's safer. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say whatever we want and, every, and everybody is wrong. I think we get to know people as people. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is that I took early retirement at the age of 62.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, 19, 2017, that's a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And I would say that a majority of my friends now, because I'm working in a field where there were very few Jewish people, mm-hmm. are, are not of my faith. But they're my closest friends, mm-hmm. or some of them. Mm-hmm. I hate the expression, you're my, you know, some of my closest friends are, are Jewish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But get to know people as people. For, forget the, the platitudes of you're you're Catholic, therefore you're this. You're Protestant, therefore you're this. Get to know the person as an individual. Get to enjoy the person as a person. Learn to learn from that person, even though he or she is different from you. That's what, that's what makes the, that's what makes the community. It's two pe- it's 10 people intersecting together and sharing and loving and caring. And this is what gives the people the feeling that we are one. Mm. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm. I like the expression better. love thy neighbor as if you loved, your, as if you loved yourself. Mm. Because that's one of the real problems. We don't love ourselves And because we don't love ourselves, we gotta take our hatred on other people. Mm. You meet lots of people who hate themselves and are angry at everything and at everybody because they don't have Mm self-esteem. You know that better than I as a very talented social worker.
0: Well, thank you so, so very much for uh, continuing my learning about you and uh, sharing uh, very precious words of wisdom for all of us. And I'm looking forward to hearing this on tape very soon. Is I'm
1: looking forward to hearing it too. And I have to tell you, it's given me a chance to bring out ma- material that I've kind of buried in, you know, this is what I did, you know, many years ago when I was mm-hmm. in Browning, Montana, and, and to bring another subject, which, which is important. And if we want to show how much we care, I think we can show what's happening to what's happening to the people who are leaving Syria to say, aren't we still brothers, Mm -hmm. even though you may not be of my faith. Mm -hmm. So we still have a challenge, all of us and ask ourselves, what are we doing? What are we doing? How do we care?